Hey there, audio listener. You're listening to NPR. Could you imagine how annoying? I don't know how people listen to NPR. Whenever I accidentally tune into it on my radio, I, I veer off the road. Uh, this is, uh, of course, the audio version. A lot of people are watching the videos more and more. Or they're subscribing for The Daily Show, louderwithcrowder.com slash mugclub. If you have not, it is what keeps these free shows coming. These shows will cease to exist unless more of you join at louderwithcrowder.com slash mugclub99 annually. That's 69 for students, veterans, or active military. Just enter in the word as a discount because... You know, Google's been squeezing, YouTube's been squeezing. If you look at uh, the Apple Store, they're not necessarily super uh, super pro. Whatever your view is, as long as it's not radically left, they're giving money to the Southern Poverty Law Center. You heard me talk about them. Uh, we appreciate the support. And if you feel like you're missing out on some visual gags, head on over to YouTube to watch the whole thing. Enjoy the show. Hey, really big show uh, coming up. There's a little, bit of, a little bit of Sullivan there. Nobody? Okay. Uh, but I wanted to tell you before that, about next Wednesday is going to be our last live stream of the year, December 18th, a big live Christmas show, dress in formal attire. There'll, there'll be limited seating for about two, 300 people there. Sign up for the mailing list. It's available exclusively to Mug Club members. It's a variety show. Well, let me explain this to you. Uh, three years ago, I was waterboarded as part of a Christmas telethon. Then two years ago, I live streamed CNN for 16 hours. And then last year, I was very sick. Uh, naturally. And so we decided we don't have to do that anymore, but we will do a live Christmas variety show with musicians and surprise guests and sketches and Santa uh, that we will do every year from hereafter and also uh, raise some money for Christmas baskets. So that's December 18th, next Wednesday. Sign up for the mailing list uh, and for details. But here's a little bit of what you missed for those who aren't in Mug Club. I ain't soft, I'm hoarse. <laughs> Wow. Hey, she can, she can go back to spread. <laughs> Thank you, everyone at Light of Color Studios. Everyone there has a huge impact on my life, except for maybe the guy that replaced the blow up doll. The chair feels so empty. <laughs> well, my heart goes out to you. A six year old YouTube uh, star bought a house that, in American dollars, is actually close to being worth $7.5 million. Wow. wow. You can check it out in this week's episode of Actual Cribs. <laughs> Wow. And I got to say, what YouTube has done to you has been ridiculous. And I'll tell you, I'm in my office right now. I sat down with the CEO of YouTube right behind us, sitting on that couch, and went after her hard for why are you guys targeting Steven Crowder? The demands are not coming from both sides evenly. It's the no. left that is saying, censor and silence Crowder. I'm not asking you to, to silence lefty. No. Let the socialist morons talk, <laughs> and we'll engage them on substance. This is uh, Fisher versus the University of Texas. A question of whether race can be used as an admissions criteria at uh, U.S. colleges and universities. If the nation has done something special against the Negro, as we were then called, for 240 years, the nation must do now something special mm -hmm. for the Negro. Mm -hmm. So merit is dependent upon who counts what is meritorious. This university owes us everything. I walk around this campus understanding that this was built on the backs of my people, and I owe none of you guys anything. We owe white people nothing. Lights are at it again. Oh, I think you're a bigot. Oh! I think y'all are racist. 
Steven Crowder. Y'all. I would probably punch him if I saw him. I said it's not racist. And now I'm thinking maybe it could be. A little bit. Louder with Crowder Studios. Protected exclusively by Walther. And Betty! I'm not dancing. I just ran oh. a half marathon. Did you know Ooh. you had to tape your nipples? You for do. That? You do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I've seen this. I found that one out the hard way. Yeah. And I have no more toenails. Oh. Ooh. Wow. Why I'm would just you, kidding. I did not. Disgusting. I did not run a half marathon. <laughs> I love how we reduced marathon to half marathon. I like it. My favorite's <laughs> yeah. the one eight. Five K. Just because we, we needed some non Kenyans to place. <laughs> They still oh, win. Fair, fair. Uh, all right, thank you so much. Well, we have Tim Pool in the show today. Ooh, That's wow. a really big nice show. Of course, we have our big Christmas show next Wednesday oh, live yeah. stream. Uh, oh. We will be talking. Well, first, okay, I have to do this question of the day. Want to keep it simple because sometimes you guys go on and you're soliloquies in the comment section. I appreciate it. <laughs> keep the anti-Semitism and the uh, racism, you know, to a minimum. Okay, non-existent. Not, not the cool. ones that we see in the comment section. Uh, the anti-me stuff, anti-white stuff. That's fine. So, two-word answer. <laughs> How do you identify politically, and do you believe in the idea of the deep state? In other words, I want your comment to be, an example, Democrat, no, or mm. Republican, yes, which will be 90% of the comment replies, I understand. <laughs> do, you do you believe there's a significant number of people in these government agencies, like the FBI, CIA, actively working to undermine President Trump at nearly every turn, or is it a ridiculous conspiracy theory? Because I've seen people's minds changing on these topics. We have Tim Pool coming up in a little bit. We will be talking about the impeachment proceedings. My half-Asian lawyer, Bill Richmond, is here for safety. How are hey you, guys? Sir? How are you? And his, uh, his father is in uh, the oh, audience ooh, today. Yeah. Uh, quarter Black mm. Garrett, show him your hood pass. What's up, dolls? I don't like it. No one Too watching bad. does. No. Audio no. Wade is here. Two cute Maddie and overlays. And Gerald A. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I, well, what's depending on what the wine of the day is. Well, it's it's bubbles, right? you got to celebrate. It's Baron. Baron, celebrate what? Jeez. The new YouTube guidelines? Is Pretty that what much. You do? Yeah, you don't Baron de Rothschild. And when you host your Valkyrie parties? I do. Right before we were on air, Gerald was talking. like, you know, I haven't uh, watched Valkyrie in a little while. It's like, what's a little while for you? Four weeks? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I don't know. Every Friday. It's oh, been maybe yeah. two a while. So we will be discussing all of this and more. But first, let's celebrate Kwanzaa. Let's come together now. It's Kwanzaa time. That was my song on Arthur's Perfect Christmas. Oh, yeah. said, you know, I found out very early that was not supposed to be in the song. I was so bad at singing and rapping as the brain that I listened oh. to the album and I'm like, all my verses are gone. Hey, oh, no. together now. You suck at singing. Thank you. Thanks, very man. clear. Nothing Honest like feedback. being fired at 12. Uh, it's going to happen one day. And then, well, actually, I was fired at 13. They said, your voice changed. And I was like, no. Like senior went to no, 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 no. I still can do Arthur. It happens. I have low self-confidence. Um, so yeah, yes, yeah, our top story, of course, Greta Thunberg, mm. Times 2019 Person of the Year. Oh, wow. This wow. comes from NBC News. A 16-year-old climate activist is the magazine's youngest choice ever. Of course, many consider Greta to be the obvious choice, though there were some pushing for who I'm sure is now a very disappointed whistleblower. Are you guys kidding me? I try to take down a sitting president, they give it to some guy in Sweden with a side ponytail? And she's playing hooky, getting off from school. I 
fucking can't talk to my family under witness protection, have me in a Holiday Inn. And it's not even an express. I'm trying to take that fucking sitting president and I don't get my full little fucking egg patty? Oh, how, how dare you? How dare, no, how you? Okay, how about that? you and your side ponytail. And my TV here, they, they don't even swing for fucking cable. It's not even premium. Were the TVs a Zenith? Was it a fucking Zenith? No, you know what? No, this. Seeing it, Fred Doombug, and and certainly Holiday Inn. Hi. It almost seems like he has an axe to grind. <laughs> Very bitter. Wow. Yeah. Time. I, I hear him. I hear him. Times person of the year. It's a wow. big. So you know what? Listen. Yeah. Congratulations to Greta, who will now take her rightful place among some of the greatest icons of our time. Nineteen forty-one, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Nineteen sixty-three, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Two thousand one, Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. Nineteen thirty-nine and nineteen forty-two, Joseph Stalin. 1938, Adolf Hitler. 2019, Greta Thunberg. You know, we don't uh. often appreciate that Hitler was the first social yeah. influencer. Uh. Yeah, I mean, if anybody, it would be Hitler. It would be Hitler, Hitler if yeah. you think, during those yeah. years. If he were around today, he'd be on Instagram going, listen, I do, I get my Zumba. I have all the energy because of my fit tea. <laughs> Just needed to be redirected with the energy. It has yerba mate, which gives me the energy without the jitters of caffeine. You should try it. She's a matcha fan. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go to matcha for you. Why is she Asian? Asian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, can you do me a favor today, Quarter Blackhead? Yes. Anytime yep. Bill Richmond is laughing so he gets that Asian rush. I want the I gotta, camera gotta on him. Him. There is something about it. Bill Richmond's laughter that is contagious it's a, it's, to me. It's a very Buddha-esque. It's, it's just chubby I just yeah, so yeah. change at him. Right. I don't even know guy. why. But I pick it all up and save it. And then I grab a little, and he holds out his hand, and I grab a little bit of cardamom, and I go, hmm, mm. that is a palate cleanser. So in 2020 yeah. news, uh, a new poll shows that Hillary Clinton will actually be, would overtake Joe Biden as the Democrats' top choice. Oh, no. So no. I have to look at this, this iPad today because there's a lot of quotes regarding yeah. the impeachment. Yeah. I don't want to get them incorrect. No. So this is... Also, uh, very important, the details, according to a recent Harvard-Harris poll, respondents who identified as Democrats heavily favored Joe Biden when asked which presidential candidate they preferred. But then, when former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was added to the mix, she came out on top of all the current candidates, garnering 21 percent wow. of respondents to Biden's <laughs> 20 percent. It's got to suck for Joe. Well, it, it should be noted, by the way, because we don't we won't want to put too much stock in this. This was a relatively small sample size uh, conducted exclusively with self-identified Democrats. When polling wide into the general electorate, however, both candidates did lose a three-way race to Red Skull. So that was a big thing. Yeah. It was... Oh, that's close, though. Yeah. I mean, he's a strong leader. Yeah. Trust Nate Silver. It's the smile. Look at those teeth. It yeah. doesn't mean it's over yet. That's the face of determination. Yes. <laughs> and multiple uh, genome experiments. What is it? What is uh, Red Skull? Captain America? Like I have no idea. Is it a yeah, vial? Yeah, it's a Captain a, America. Is it a vial or is it Burns? I don't know. It's probably Burns. Delicious Who cares? Someone's going to argue about this in the comment section and forget the original it's question of the day. Thanks. <laughs> 
So uh, Ed Smart, you guys are Ed Smart, yeah. father of the kidnapping victim, Elizabeth Smart. Yeah. Uh, he's come out yeah. as Tried gay it. now, oh, okay. saying, uh, I thought Elizabeth's ordeal was very difficult, okay. but this one is more difficult because it is not only it not only affected Elizabeth, but my entire family. So what? you heard it here okay. first. Being gay is worse than your child getting kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man. Are you serious? Dad's honesty. Is this the onion? <laughs> Elizabeth sad. Smart was quoted as saying, my dad's gay. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> and you know what? Here's the thing. The family, the family oh. was shocked. The only people oh. who were shocked uh, at this revelation. But I, I get it. Sometimes it, yeah. really, sometimes it is hard to evaluate yeah. people, especially when you're the ones closest to them. I'm getting hungry. You guys know where Jamal is? Jamal? Are you surprised? <laughs> It's <laughs> great. Once in a while, do you get a hint that maybe your friend is that way? The way he talks, the way he dresses, the way he carries himself? It all makes you start to wonder, is your friend black? Well, now you can find out for sure with Black Dart. Simply swab the inside of your friend's mouth, send us the sample, and in four to six months, you'll get your results. Now I can use racial pejoratives without fear. Thanks, Black Dart. Black Dart. It's the only way. 23 and Me needs to branch out. <laughs> they do. They do. You have to come up with new products all the time. There's product yeah. life cycle. Let's it's go. Their most it's favorite spinoff. Right? There's not enough market share for candidates running who want to put down one 1,024th Cherokee. What, we, what we really need is one that tells you whether the candidate uh, actually did blackface in the past. Right? This is true. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that stays with Especially you. in That's a Canadian race. Yeah. What's yeah. really more of a questionnaire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi. Have you ever been a hypocrite? Yeah. Would you like to be the Canadian yes. Prime Minister? You need to just do like a black It's like a choose your own path, only it all directs you to the high school newspaper. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's true. Oh, is that true? Oh, 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 wow. He's a Kwanzaa fan. See Jeez. also high school yearbook. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he did a whole year in blackface. Hey, okay, this is somber now because it's a sad oh, story, yeah, obviously. Yeah. A bomb blast Bring in, uh, in uh, Pakistani mosque killed two and injured 14 more. A lot Jeez. of people haven't covered this. Uh, after the blast, one worshiper was heard saying, sorry, guys, that was mine. <laughs> What it, what, it, what it actually was, so, was it? Sorry, guys, that was mine, he said. Uh, the blast comes at a tough time for the Islamic Recruitment Center. Apparently, people get a little bit touchy when you start yeah. joking about yeah. terrorist bombings. Yeah. I don't care. Blast comes at a tough time uh, for the Islamic Recruitment Center as they just started running their new ad campaign titled Islam, growing at an explosive rate. Oh, and look, he oh, is... Awkward. Yeah, wow. That's radical, man. He's, he's, he's radicalizing. <laughs> I'm going to kickflip to 72 virgins. Hey. Hey. I can't technique. do the heel flip. I skate goofy. It's tough to be goofy. I don't think you can be left-handed yeah. there. Is it? I get it. Because uh, the ass wiping. Uh, yeah, so here's yeah, a story yeah, about yeah, right. uh, a duck. Right. You just yeah. We're going to get to the impeachment proceedings and all of that. <laughs> oh, but I, 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 don't, figure that I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to yet. Like, I just want, I don't want to wake up. You ever just not want to wake up? It's not because you're depressed or suicidal, but you just go, oh, I got to watch this on TV. Yeah. Shift's going to appear again. Uh, Salon's going to write an article. Uh, YouTube's <laughs> going to change their guidelines so we can't critique it. Oh, and boy, then yeah. the deep state thing. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, I want to die. If someone <laughs> wants to help me. And here's the thing. If ever I were to, I never, if ever I were to take myself out. It would never be with a Walther. No. Just because yeah, I no, would right. never want to taint the sponsorship. I, like right. razor blades, <laughs> I don't know, acetaminophen. Yeah. It would never be with a Walther. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Although it would be very accurate. I do everything happened. with gusto. Here's a story. 
about a duck uh, named <laughs> Dave who had, this is a true story, who actually had to have his penis removed after being overly amorous oh, with the lady. Amorous. Oh. Comes from the mirror. The owner of the duck was forced to intervene after the little guy injured himself having sex with the female companions up to 10 times hey. a day. He's just wow. playing, man. Favorite duck. The owner also, by the way, signed a book deal for his upcoming autobiography titled How to Rape Farm Animals and Blame It on Your Pet Duck. So oh, that's gosh. pretty... <laughs> Yeah. It's more of an oh, instructional, it's, it's really. Same, same publisher from OJ's If I Did It, you know? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 Instruction manual. This one just says, I yeah. did it. Uh, and this is sad. This next story is sad. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, a model, Miss Miami. Uh-huh. I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk, but we have to. A model, Miss Miami, uh, she, she may need her 60-inch butt amputated after getting what? illegal butt uh, injections. It's a loss. This comes from the New York Post. She told a reality show she wanted less junk in the trunk, but says, and I quote, amputate the whole booty on not amputating butts. You know what? Listen, there's, there's something beneath the surface here we need it, to yeah. talk about. If yeah. you make butt injections illegal, then we'll have nothing but back alley butt injections performed by Sir Mix-a-Lot, okay? <laughs> we need to have safe, oh, legal yeah, yeah, butt yeah. injections. Rare. Safe, for legal, all. and rare. Yeah, these okay. are the critical issues of our time. <laughs> Especially Armenians. Over in Kazakhstan. <laughs> Come on, we're going to act like the Kardashians all... <laughs> I, uh, I, don't I don't care. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't care, yeah, I don't real. care anymore. I don't know. I assume this is already going to be banned. Uh, over in <laughs> Kazakhstan, actually, this was... Uh, uh, is that close enough to our, our, the Armenians? Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I have no idea. Really, the other they're over there. I, it, we, it's close enough in that it is also a place I don't yearn to visit. Uh, a Kazakhstani bodybuilder is set to marry his sex robot. Oh, good. Wow. So, yeah, the man says that his relationship with Margot the doll is very much taken seriously. This is in the article. Despite admitting that they have arguments, oh, the occasional arguments. Yeah. Despite the arguments, it's still a healthy relationship. Wow. That's good. Wow. I'm glad to hear that. Arguments Amazing. included, by the way, the symmetry of his bicep to tricep ratio, the best strategy to add math to his calves, and whether or not a sex robot is really convincing anyone that he's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... She wins. Oh. Yeah. yeah. No one's buying it. <laughs> you need a lot of lube in that relationship. So. In entertainment. No, it's just WD-40. That's you what don't I even know anything. Yeah, yeah. Why well, do I know anything about sex the robots? The other thing, I meant WD-40. Gosh, pop an instructional DVD and yeah, swap please. out Valkyrie every now and then. <laughs> Is it like blow-up dolls? Put it on the rotation. Expand your mind. In entertainment news, uh, singer Ricky Martin welcomed a son with his husband, Juan Yosef. So congratulations mm. to Ricky Martin. And uh, he said that sure. he's thrilled, was quoted as saying, there is nothing as beautiful as the face of a newborn baby staring back at you, except perhaps a hot, hairy ass he said. Oh, so glad there's not an overlay. The baby was quoted as saying, my dad's gay? This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh. They had Greta Thunberg? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have smart. to bleep you because that's not a name we're allowed to say. It's oh. Stephen Merchant. Um, yes. <laughs> finally, before we get to impeachment, this week uh, a, a group of New Yorkers slept in Times Square to raise funds for a homeless charity. Oh. A spokesman nice for the group enough. was quoted as saying, hey, stop raping me. <laughs> And it never works, by the oh, way. No, no, it doesn't. No, no. That's not they a they don't so much honor requests. <laughs> really? Yeah. What, if you, what if it's like a rapist? Firm, like, no. No. No? No, it's not, it's okay. not very effective. Right. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And by, the, you. by the way, actually, here we have an interview. Um, I think, do we? We have yeah. the exclusive okay, interview so. with uh, one of the homeless men in question from this event. Can't you just give it to me in cash? What are you going to spend all night in my d- off Hmm. Well, there you have it, folks. Perhaps we'll never know what happened no, 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 that night in the tent. 
Well, that seems like we spent far too much for on the field yeah, reporting. Uh, all the way to New York. Seems all like the way a to New York. riveting, Stephen. Misappropriation of my funds. <laughs> riveting. Since I signed the front of checks here, yeah. I should look at those more often. <laughs> Uh, so let's go. Okay, let's go into this segment. It is has this all confirmed the idea of the deep state? Have you been following yeah. impeachment? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start with this. This week, uh, the Justice Department, the inspect, Justice Department inspector, the Justice Department inspector general. Sorry, <laughs> Michael Horowitz. So many vowels. There's lots uh, of titles. What's going on? Released a report looking at the FBI's investigation of President Trump's campaign. Okay, he was questioned about the report in a Senate hearing yesterday. Let's see that real quick. The inspector general found that when the FBI secretly opened an investigation into possible Russian influence of the Trump campaign in July 2016, it followed the rules about launching that kind of case. The report says the FBI's court application made statements about Steele that were, quote, inaccurate, incomplete, and unsupported, overselling (laughs) his value as a source and glossing over the fact that many claims he made were not checking out. Yeah. Uh, claim some mistakes. Huh. That's a funny yeah. word. Uh, if you listen to <laughs> some of the leftist shows, and I, I've been listening to, uh, obviously, the Young Turks, Pod Save America, Reading Up at Vox and Salon, <laughs> they're going to try and spin this as some minor procedural errors made by low-level FBI employees. That's yeah. kind of the story that's been going out there, and I encourage you to go and read and watch further left sources because that is kind of the narrative yeah. that they've mm-hmm. said. It just sound familiar to anybody when uh, conservatives were targeted by the IRS. Oh, it's low-level people. It was a mistake. Right. We, we didn't do this. Which, by the way, also lends itself to the fact that civil libertarians and a lot of Republicans always had a problem with the abuses of FISA, right? We've, if, yeah. you could, if you could search out, if we could search which words we've used in this uh, program, we've talked about Barack Obama and FISA several times. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I do think it's important to be consistent here. Yeah. Um, let's, now, have you been, you've been following it in your lawyer? Yeah, so. yeah. well, it, and I would say, just to put it in context, Right, you know, the the general audience isn't following the kind of legal standards and basis that you would do this, but just let's put this in normal terms. If you've watched any show where there's some backroom shenanigans and someone gives some fake evidence to a judge to get a wiretap or to do other things like that, this is exactly what they're saying happened here. You had to falsify information to clear the hurdles to get extraordinary law enforcement remedies because you didn't actually have the evidence to get it. And yes, and that is, and that's why I think the intellectual honesty of the report is that this is a serious failure. I mean, this right. is yeah. ultimately unconstitutional law enforcement. Yes, and we'll go, let's go through that step by step. Let's, right, let's yeah. go through the series of mistakes the FBI made. Uh, even if maybe the inspector general can't detect any pattern that might point to a motive, maybe we can. So we would like to introduce this <laughs> yeah, new segment perhaps. called Could It All Be an Accident? Boy, that was out of tenor. Oh, wow. yeah, that was really <laughs> serious. Dramatic. Oh, man, I thought this was going to be a game show. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. to I will take conspiracy theories for 500 <laughs> and ensuring that I am removed from the platform. Okay, oh, let's start gosh. with this. this there's a cl- couple of claims. Let's go through the claims. One of the claims is that Comey and others were exonerated. Democrats, left-wing media, they were quick to say that the IG report exonerated James Comey. Right? We have an overlay yeah. here. Uh, the truth is that the inspector general said the report did nothing even close to that. Former FBI Director James Comey said this week that that your report vindicates him. Is that a fair assessment of your report? Um, You know, I think the activities we found here don't vindicate anybody who touched this. Okay. 
No, no, not at all. No. Yeah. That's entirely incorrect. Well, they have a problem with reports here. What's going on? Like the bar thing with no collusion? No, they didn't say that in this, didn't say something, and they're saying it says something? Bar, I don't know what to believe. Bar is an example of collusion at the corruption at the highest level as opposed to uh, dozens of high-level employees at the FBI who systematically worked to uh, undermine our presidency. Just be just be sure that you just understand to, yeah, this. Yeah, I just want to have it straight. I want to make sure. Thank you. Let's move on to another claim, which I think is, you guys may remember this, but there were a lot of claims made, and it it, it's kind of silly that we have to go back to this, but this is actually very important because of, I don't know if this is effectively falsified. We'll get some information that, to me, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. We have a lawyer seems falsified, but the context of this seems at the very least deliberately misleading some claims that people made regarding the infamous Russian mm. peeing tape. Oh, boy. When you told him the contents of the Steele dossier, did you get the impression it was the first time he'd ever heard those allegations? Yes, and I didn't give him the briefing on the whole Steele dossier. My assignment was to brief him on a small part of it that was salacious and personal, and my sense was I didn't get a sense that he knew about those. Why include that salacious part? If it was something that you thought was, uh, you know, not that necessary to the investigation, or did you think it was important that he knew? We thought it was important that he knew, and I say we, meaning all the intelligence chiefs that put together the intelligence community mm -hmm. assessment. We thought it was important that he know because we knew, and we don't want to be holding that back from the new president. Did you believe his denial? I honestly never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I don't know whether the, the current president of the United States was with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow in 2013. It's possible, but I don't know. And by the way, after that interview, uh, Chuck Todd's goatee wow. cocooned into a butterfly and flew away. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh. It's beautiful. Oh, my jawline. So, <laughs> um, here's the thing. He, he, in case, just to summarize here, Comey was saying that it was his duty to brief the president about the P-tape and then claims that it very, he thought it very well may have been true. Let me explain this very clearly. The FBI not only knew that the story had zero corroboration, they knew that it was, in fact, a joke. The FBI interviewed Steele's source and asked him to corroborate the story, but the source, and I have a quote here, explained that his or her information came from word of mouth and hearsay, another quote, conversation that he or she had with friends over beers, and that some of the information, such as allegations about Trump's sexual activities, were statements he or she heard made in jest. Oh my gosh. Think of that for a second. All you needed to do was make a joke. And if it, if it reflected badly enough on President Trump, the FBI would purposefully misrepresent it as though it was a credible allegation all the way up to the director of the entire FBI who would then brief the president himself <laughs> oh, on it. Wow. Half Asian lawyer Bill Richmond, what kind of territory are we in there? Well, especially when you get that they leaked that information in the same false spin. You can see it's clearly an attempt to not only get past the normal standards that you would have in uh, you know, triggering law enforcement, wiretapping, and other type of information or other types of investigative tools, uh, but, but clearly an attempt not to try and get to the truth. Right. right. If you really were trying to get to the truth, you would have gone to the quote to the source and asked the source. So here's the question that ultimately comes down to. Did you forget to go check with the source? Right. Did you know you weren't checking with the source? Or did you actually check with the source but not bother to provide that information? And right. the range of misdeeds there runs from grossly negligent in your duties as a law enforcement agency and considering one of the top law enforcement agencies to direct violation of your duties, yeah. knowing violation yeah. of your duties. And you know what? I will say this. The more information that comes out, the worse it is for Democrats. That is yeah. a consistent through line here. Every because I will time. say this. We've often said, like, there's probably a kernel of truth to it. I thought maybe there were Russian prostitutes peeing in a, in a Trump hotel and he knew about it and said, uh, you know, they like the water sports. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Turns out there isn't a kernel of truth at all. It was oh entirely God. made up from a joke. The truth is worse than the very little leeway.
way we were willing to give. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd oh say scraping God. the bottom of the barrel, but it's a bottomless barrel. You're just like, you're, you're way down into the dirt and you're looking up going, is that the f- barrel I was scraping through? <laughs> is that there? Wow. wow. Oh my God. That is far. You know, on <laughs> the show, this a well? On the show Billions, you'd go to jail for this conduct. This is true. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, Paul Giamatti's goatee would cocoon into a butterfly. <laughs> As well. Oh, no, that As one's well. a moth. My jawline. Moth. Pop, pop, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> Another claim that they make, uh, the steel dossier wasn't central to the FISA warrant. Uh, oh, no, wait. Sorry. Before that, I need to tell people to hit the notification oh, yeah. bell, right? Hit you the do. notification bell uh, because subscriptions don't mean a whole lot, but do subscribe to the channel. We have a new video. You've been letting me say this wrong this whole time it's nine eastern it's nine yeah, eastern who cares about their time, time. What are you talking about? it doesn't matter either way uh join up at mug club ladder with slash mug club that's where you get all of the extra content some shows even hosted by my half asian lawyer Ooh, bill richmond yeah, of course the whole yeah. blaze catalog Boom. and next week wednesday big live christmas show it'll be a live stream with a discount we'll be raising money for christmas baskets okay let's move awesome. on here another claim this is important because you're going to hear this from the young turks you're going to hear this from all of these left sources msnbc that the steel dossier wasn't central to the fisa warrant okay right. In case you've forgotten, maybe you recall that Devin Nunes, the memo, claimed that Steele dossier was an essential part of the evidence used to begin the FBI spying on Trump's campaign. The Democrats claimed that this was absolutely not true. The deputy director of the FBI, McCabe, testified before your committee in December of 2017 that no surveillance warrant, no FISA court, uh, to the FISA court, would have been sought without the Steele dossier information. Is that true? Uh, that's a, a characterization. Us, that's not what uh, Director McCabe <laughs> or Deputy Director McCabe actually said. Uh, well, I can't go into the details of what he said. Essentially, his argument was, uh, we look at this as a complete whole. All the parts of the application are important. Okay, so, of huh. course, the entire leftist media, they piled on as well, claiming yeah. the Steele dossier was only a small part of the evidence. Def- definitely not essential. Non-essential. Oh, that's funny. Hmm. Here's the truth. Not only did the IG report find that the dossier played a central, I want to read this as a quote, central, and people are going, you can't get off, you can't get off prompter. Today I am making sure that I am on this <laughs> iPad because I no. don't want to get this wrong. Do it. Uh, a, when you're dealing with the FBI, kind of scary. <laughs> well, no, they, they can, can do anything they want. They can make the mistakes, not you. Found the dossier played a central and essential role in the FISA application. Uh, when it came to Carter Page's, by the way, alleged Russia collusion, the Steele dossier was the entire basis. It, was, it right. wasn't a small basis. Mm. It wasn't a portion. It was the only basis. Oh my there was no other basis. I mean, do they really expect people to buy into this? Like, it's a convenient lie for them to be, now that they have the FISA warrants and now that we're down the road, to be like, oh, no, that didn't matter at all. We didn't base it on that. Like, right. Is anybody really buying that looking back at it, Bill? Like, I mean, it, it, legally, is anybody going to buy this and say, no, that wasn't a part of the deal? Well, I think part of the, the, part of the question here is whether or not anyone's going to hold a legal standard to you know, Schiff and the others who have tried to say at one point, oh, look at how important this dossier is. Oh, no, no. Actually, no, no, no. It wasn't important. <laughs> right. And yeah. we, we really didn't put any stock into it. But that's actually one of the benefits here of our 24-hour news cycle and kind of the constant way that everyone's been pushing the questions. Because on record, time and time again, Schiff and, and the others who have been pushing this, the, the, what was happening before, right. are being caught by their own words. And, and yeah. so ultimately, whether or not you know Congress takes action or the DOJ takes action about those who push this, who got these FISA 
warrants right. um, illegally. Essentially, that's what it is. So you, yeah. If yeah. you falsify the evidence to provide the standards to get law enforcement tools, you have committed a crime. Yeah. yeah. And so whether or not they're going to be you know held accountable is a question. But really, it's the voters. Mm. Right. Yeah. It is the voters. And by the way, I don't think they're going to be called on it from the media. That's the problem. <laughs> of course right? not. They're going to be called on <laughs> by this show. I don't really think they care. And that's why people want to remove this show. Yeah. Right. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> um, here's another claim that the Obama administration didn't use a dossier at all. This, this came out this week that they didn't use the dossier at all in their intelligence assessment. Here you go. Listen to that. Do you know if the Bureau ever relied on the Steele dossier as any as part of any court filings? I like Gowdy, but he's very pointy. Petitions, yeah. pleadings. <laughs> I have no awareness. At all? Complete, utterly unaware. Yes. Did the CIA rely on it? No. Why not? No. Because we, we didn't. We, it wasn't part of the corpus of intelligence uh, information that we had. It was not in any way used as a basis for the intelligence community assessment that was done. Uh, it was it was not. And by the way, that, mm. they didn't trot out Gerald Ford's corpse. That's CIA <laughs> yeah. director John oh. Brennan. <laughs> in case you didn't know, yeah, I'm going I'm to sum up his answer. Maybe. No, no, he was he was saying no. <laughs> By the way, Gerald Ford, you know, from Grand Rapids, Michigan, yes. where I lived for a long oh, time. There's fantastic. the Grand Rapids, Gerald Ford Museum is in Grand Rapids. Did yeah. you know this? That really? Gerald name is fantastic. It's, I love a, it's it. shaped like a pizza slice. So it looks really big from the front. Oh. And you go like, oh, it's a Gerald Ford Museum. I went in no, there. No. About halfway through, there's random Elvis exhibits. You're like, yeah. what is it going on? It's just <laughs> and it the narrowing the of the walls. There's narrowing. <laughs> and like, hey, here's the king of rock and roll. Yeah, I thought I went into Exist. the Gerald Ford Museum. <laughs> and then there's a gift shop, and they're selling, like, Velociraptor pillows. And you're like, what, what the hell? going on? I'm like, listen, let's be honest. He didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, he's he's got to merchandise the guy. It's fine. So that was intelligent. Uh, CIA director John Brennan, he was saying that they didn't even know about the Steele dossier, right? The Obama administration, th th this is important to note, they all knew about the Steele dossier. Hmm. It was actually included as an appendix in the assessment <laughs> itself. Not only did they give the Steele dossier credit, it practically wrote the foreword. <laughs> even further than that, by the way, uh. Comey and McCabe fought to have it play an even more central role in the assessment, hmm. proactively. So I want to be clear. I mean, I don't know at what point lying yeah. constitutes yeah. A, a crime. Yeah. But this, I want you to research the sources for yourself. Okay, we have to, we have no. to cycle through this because we have Tim Pool coming up pretty quick to talk about the new yep, yep, YouTube yep. policies. Here's another claim they make, that the FISA warrant was obtained completely honestly on the up and up. I have total confidence that the FISA process was followed and that the entire case was handled in a thoughtful, responsible way by DOJ and the FBI. I think the notion that FISA was abused here is nonsense. Okay, so this is pretty important, and, and let me know if it's a little confusing, and maybe, Bill, you can help clarify, because yeah. it's confusing for me sometimes, and I work in this industry. Right. The FBI created fraudulent evidence to obtain the warrant. I know Bill's going to say, well, hold on, because I'm making a claim here. I believe that I can make that claim and substantiate it. Just pause, or if you don't have the time, fast forward four seconds. Carter Page, okay, was actually acting as an informant for the CIA during these uh, Russia meetings, okay? The FBI knew that. Right. So to be clear, the FBI omitted that information from the FISA applications and even used Carter's connection to those Russian contacts as evidence against him. Think of that for a second. They knew. So it's like, okay, go out there. You're going to have contacts. You're going to be an informant yeah. working with the Russians. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, we're going to hang you out to the dry and say, look, yeah. look, there's an informant with the Russians. Yeah, it's like taking Donnie Brasco and saying, sorry, you're in coots with the mob. You're arrested now. Right. Do you think I'm a rat? Yes. If Al Pacino <laughs> leaves his cross in the top drawer, that means right. he's going out alone to die. Mm.
Let him go. Powerful scene. <laughs> Powerful scene in that film. <laughs> That's when Al Pacino wasn't playing an Al Pacino character. That's right. just when he was like actually good. Did you guys, by the an way, see the, the, the recent uh, uh, movie of Al Pacino? The, the Irishman? Irishman. Yeah, the Irishman. Did you see no, Al Pacino play Jimmy Hoffa? No. It's the most it offensively bad performance. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from trying, he's sitting there talking like this, trying to do a Midwestern accent here, and then he goes to you, motherfucker. <laughs> I swear to you, like he actually said that in the movie. Going back like, wait, to him. Is this, wait, is this Scarface? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I drew my inspiration from Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> but it's Jimmy Hoffa. I don't Not care. Sounds like Bernie almost. <laughs> All right. It's a little bit. Yeah. So here's why I am saying this definitively that they create, that they falsified information here. The FBI emailed the CIA to check if Page was working with them, okay? They confirmed that Page was a source, that it, that Page was a source, mm -hmm. but an FBI lawyer, and then I want to go to my lawyer, he's a lawyer, an FBI lawyer actually altered the text of the email to say he was not a source. To be clear, okay, it said was a source initially. Huh. FBI lawyer changed the text to read not a source. Uh, not a source. By the way, <laughs> lawyer now under criminal investigation. Oh. How oh, they, far they does go. that go, half Asian lawyer? But can I make the claim that that is falsifying evidence, changing the word yes to no? I mean, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Good. Wow, that that was so well, quick. It, 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 I don't want to run a fall of YouTube's but, but, policies. But here again, here again is the thing: is how are they going to try and spin this and say, yeah. you know, oh, it was just a mistake. Oh, you know, it's just a low-level low lawyer for the FBI. <laughs> right. you know, I just accidentally hit the delete button for S A W, and then for some, I accidentally typed in N O T. Hmm. Oh. I don't know. I spilled coffee on the keyboard. I don't know wow. what happened. It's yeah, a common crazy. issue. That's the Siri. last time I use yeah. a Dell. <laughs> gateway. I mean, only Gateway. No. Oh, is it, is yeah. Gateway still around? No, nope. no. That's why no. it's funny. No, seriously, he's under criminal investigation, and I understand the optics. There's the court of public opinion, but. This is a lie. This is a lie. This seems like this, it would be something that, that could be prosecuted. These are the types of things where you know we call it the fruit of the poisonous tree as a legal term, right? If you in, in the common parlance of like the Fourth Amendment and other constitutional issues, you have to establish that if early in the chain of creating evidence or taking certain action by the government, the government takes wrong action, right. then the rest of the information that comes from that, the fruit of the poisonous tree, is now poisoned as well, right? It's right, tainted. Yeah. And here, when you when you look at Comey, Comey understood the problem with that. That's why back in December of 2018, he's saying. No, 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 don't worry. The tree is not poisoned. Everything's great. We fertilized it with yeah. great stuff, except they fertilized it with bullshit. Right. And that's the problem. <laughs> and mean, then Eve tried to eat from it. It again. was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> over and over and over. Eve. Still angry about that, huh? And then she wrote a autobiography on Adele. Okay. Since you can't, this is also something else because we have to get going. People say, you know, if you can't say something better than the guy who said it before you, plagiarize him. The good thing is, as a host of a late night show, it's not considered plagiarizing no. when I just run a clip. So let's just hear Senator Ted Cruz sum this up perfectly. A lawyer at the FBI creates fraudulent evidence, alters an email that is in turn used as the basis for a sworn statement to the court that the court relies on. Am I stating that accurately? Uh, that's correct. That is what occurred. Hmm. hmm. That seems pretty <laughs> damning gotcha. here. But so, so I have great. a question. Like, at some point, you know, we talk about public trust a lot, right? Yeah. But with the tax thing, uh, when they were saying it's not a tax, it's not a penalty for the, the health care deal that they were right. doing, um, there, there was no penalty for that. They actually went to the Supreme Court, argued against themselves, right. and nothing happened. This, on the other hand, like you said, Bill, like there's, there are legal ramifications, or very well should be, for them lying to get this evidence into court, right? To get the FISA warrants and then to go on. At what point does the public say, I just don't trust any, the FBI, right. the IRS, 
Congress, everybody, we always don't. I don't trust anybody. Who do you go to now? Right. Yeah, who do you go to, well, for example, if the FBI and CIA, if they yeah, act they're in this in way? But, but here's, here's the thing I want to say. There, there are organizations, and I, and I know people in the FBI and have spoken directly with them, sure, who are dedicated to the idea that the FBI is nonpartisan, that regardless yes, of yes, the party. Yes, yes. Um, so, so when people say, you know, I think this is the issue where uh, people take this and say the deep state is a conspiracy that makes it crazy. But when you look at the core of it, the nugget of truth is, are there individuals within large organizations that are seeking to take every benefit of the doubt against the president? Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes yeah. willing to nudge over the line, change a few words, do a few things that snowball into something very bad from a public PR perspective or right. something false in order to get it. So do I believe that there's some wide-ranging conspiracy with thousands of individuals with the FBI? No, I don't think so. I think that day-to-day right. -day people who are there in these organizations right. are working to do good by the American people. It's these few individuals that need to be investigated deeply who yeah. are trying to shift, using the power they have to change a few yeah. emails, to leak a few bits of information, to withhold a little bit of key data in order to create a vision of what they want in order to Im impact the presidency. Yeah, but not so. low-level people either. No, not like, even no. low-level like, people. These are That's powerful people exactly. within these organizations. Think about it. The more powerful this. they are, you don't need 20 powerful people to no. make a big impact. Exactly. You no. only yeah. need one powerful person to send one email mm -hmm. that's altered. Well, and especially with the complicit yeah. media. You only need exactly. one powerful person in the FBI who knows that the Russian peeing prostitute bit is a joke right. to leak it to Chuck Todd Caterpillar mouth, and he goes, <laughs> we're going to run with this. It only requires one person. Yeah. This is unprecedented, though. This is unprecedented to have these people in these positions of power over, as you've said, other good Americans who want to serve their country in these bureaus, yeah. in these wings of, of our uh, of our federal government, too. Yes. Obviously, one extent or another, depending on which division we're talking about right mm -hmm. now. This is unprecedented for people wielding that kind of power to be complicit with the media who don't care to do any fact-checking. Right. It's hard for us to fact-check their claims because they never list them. Right. That's why we try to list <laughs> no them for No sources anywhere. If I'm not mistaken, I think we have one more clip, right? Yep. Okay, let's go to one last clip and then go. There is such a range of conduct here that is inexplicable, and the answers we got were not satisfactory, that we're left trying to understand how could all these errors have occurred over a nine-month period or so among three teams handpicked, one of the highest profile, if not the highest profile case in the FBI, going to the very top of the organization involving a presidential campaign? That is a great question. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why it begs, could this all be an accident? How could these inexplicable errors, or at least they haven't been explained yet, all occur going up to the very top of the organization? Was it just a sloppy investigation? Or do all of these errors, it could just be a sloppy investigation, except when you account for the fact here that all of the errors tilt in a certain direction, mm. one that's anti-President Trump. Can you, let me ask you this, can you find anything to the contrary in the last six months? Do you remember, remember like you were, to go back to what you were saying, remember the outrage over Barr's review of yeah. the Mueller report? People demanded that he be ousted for his conclusion obtained from the totality of information available. They saw that as corruption at the highest level possible. But what about all of these missteps or sometimes deliberate inaccuracies in the most powerful bureaus of government? Nothing? And again, I think what's most important here is every time we get more information, it gets worse for the Democrats right now in this whole Im these impeachment proceedings. Yeah. That's why I think they're handing Donald Trump the election. I wish this weren't going on because I think it makes a mockery of our of, yeah. of our entire not only judicial system but the entire system of American government. Schoolhouse Rock should be rolling over in its grave right now. <laughs> this is absolutely oh. <laughs> unreal to me. But like you talked about with the IRS uh, investigating people, the IRS being yeah. used as a tool from Barack Obama to yeah. audit conservatives. Yeah. Here's one thing too that. I think 
because you can audit a ham sandwich, right? That's the old kind of adage. People say yeah. you can audit a ham sandwich and find something wrong. And that's kind of true. They just there was a story. Someone just lost his home because he was eight dollars under yeah. on property taxes, right? That's scary to everybody. Where you go, well, there's a certain amount of power where the government can find something that you've done oh, wrong. Yeah. Here's to, why yeah. this is scary, though, because if they don't find something that you've done wrong, they will make it up. Whether it's Russian pissing prostitutes or changing from did know about the Steele dossier to did not know about the Steele dossier. This has gone beyond someone making a mistake and a political enemy capitalizing on it. This has gone to the most powerful wings of government, arguably, in Washington, D.C., now deliberately fabricating or misleading investigations for reasons of political expediency. It is terrifying, and it sets a terrifying precedent that we should all be concerned about. Yeah. Speaking of terrifying, oh. Tim Pool is oh, coming no. up. Very I'm uneasy about the hat. Me too. More so YouTube's <laughs> policies. <laughs> you do on November 8th vote-wise? Uh, coffee beans in my sternum. I've been watching CNN all morning and I'm, I'm going to do it for 16 hours. Hey guys, what's up? We got an idea. A bright idea. Lay it on me. Yeah. Well, it's a commercial for Black Rifle Coffee Company. Yeah. We're going to show everybody how good the coffee is by beating your black ass. <laughs> yeah, uh, coffee's so good, you're going to forget we just beat your ass. I just don't, I don't know. Come on, soak up your brains of the idea we yeah. got going. Yeah, come on, man, you're going to be the hero. I'm yeah. going to hold your arms back while yeah. Keith punches you in the stomach. No, I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> I told you no, that. I don't think any of this is necessary. It's not. It's not going to fit gonna the brand. Work. Trust me. Well, we can we can run it by Stephen, but I I don't think he's going to be into it. Okay. Yeah, sure. Trust me. There he is, right there. Let's go ask. Yeah, him. go ask him. Uh. Black Rifle Coffee. <coughs> yeah. Oh, that was lovely. So go right now to blackriflecoffee.com/crowder. Enter the promo code Crowder. You'll receive twenty percent off your first order. Listen, Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned company, and they actually do a lot of good work for veterans. It's not just lip service, and that's all great, okay? I understand it. That being said, I'm pretty persnickety about my coffee. Maybe I'll do some coffee videos in the future. I'm pretty nerdy. I weigh it out. I do espresso. I do AeroPress. Anyone out there, you tell me your favorite method of making coffee. If it sucked, I would have nothing to do with it. Their coffee is pretty damn good. I really like the Vintage Rose. It's the green bag with the... Can I say that? Do they have it? I want to make... Okay, Black Rifle, if you're watching, don't sell all of it. Save some of it. For, that's been my favorite row. So BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Crowder. They have the best coffee and the best mission of coffee companies out there. Don't buy Maxwell House, because you'd be a dick. All right, everyone. I don't know what this was. This would be a horrible way to shoot. Can you imagine if you went to the it's range? It's like an old Gatling gun. <laughs> Very cool. Have you ever actually just like br when you breathe at the range, how much right. the sight change? Could you imagine trying to hit a target? Like this? <laughs> yeah, they'd pull you off and be like, sir, That's step away from the range. The sideways guy. I'm like, there's no way it to do this work. accurately. Uh, so, our next guest, you know him, and oh, yeah. uh, mo I mean, most of you love him. Not everyone loves him. Not everyone loves every guest. I should stop saying that. You know him. Some of you like him. I mean, Some of not? you can take him or leave him. Uh, <laughs> you follow him on the YouTube at youtube.com slash Tim 
cast. He has several very popular channels. Uh, and he also, beforehand, he was correcting me, he has something, and he's been working through it. Um, he had an ulceration due to anesthesia. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Tim mm. Poole is here, and you sound like death. What happened with your voice box? Uh... Well, my voice is just dying because I work every single day. I have no days off, so right. you talk a lot, and I do. Yeah. Um, but 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 thank you for letting everyone know about my dental work. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I thought I didn't know that was in confidence. He has a <laughs> no, canker I, sore, I, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, no, he brushed his teeth no, with no. aim. I had a uh, I, I had a root canal, and I got I got lucky, and the anesthetic resulted in an ulceration. So Oof, it just God. means my mouth hurts. Oh. That is I get, I get bonus points. No, that is terrible. I bit through my lip one time from uh, uh, jujitsu, and uh, then it turned into a really, really, really bad canker sore. That's what canker sores are, microscopic kind of abrasions, and then it got really bad. But when you say alteration, uh, ulceration, it makes me think of Vincent Price in the Alice Cooper album. He goes, this is the brown recluse. He causes, his bite causes creeping ulcerations of the skin. Isn't he delicious? That's in the album. For people who haven't heard Welcome to My Nightmare, that's my only familiarity with the word ulceration. <laughs> Tim Pool, um, everyone, please follow him. You released videos this week regarding the new YouTube guidelines. Uh, I, I don't want you to speak out of turn at all. So explain to people who don't know, kind of let them in on what's been going on, because you've been in the loop in Silicon Valley and with people at YouTube, uh, Google, yeah. and these companies for a long time. Uh, the rules are arbitrary. They'll ban you for no reason. There you go. Oh. They should, hey. I, I, so, so this, these ulcerations have really lend themselves to brevity. <laughs> I just, I just have, I can't talk. It hurts too much. So yeah. they, that's, they're gonna ban you. Got no, it. But, um, the, the new rule is basically your fault. Uh, thanks, Stephen, <laughs> for uh, it, it, being snarky with other YouTubers. But uh, no, I apologize. But I, honestly, it, I got, I got to say, obviously they're responding to what happened with you and and Carlos Maza, and. The first, first and most important thing I think all of your fans recognize, they said you broke no rules. They punish you anyway. Right. I think the, the new rules they're putting out are completely pointless if that's what they're going to do. And they've done it before, and they'll do it again. And they've done it to me, and they retroactively, retroactively apply rules to ban channels. We get it. We get it. it it's, 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 it's pointless. Yeah. For the, sake, for the sake of clarity, okay. what they're saying now is veiled threats or like animating some kind of violent activity directed at somebody is a bannable offense or, or guideline strike. Mm. But the most alarming is that they're saying repeated harassing behavior that doesn't violate the rules could constitute suspension from the YouTube partner program and it could result in guideline strikes and eventual you know, termination. They're basically saying what you did. <laughs> <laughs> that reads like an at reply when you put it like that. Uh. Well, well, so, so, so what happened with you and Carlos is you were responding. Don't say the name, please. Stop. <laughs> yeah, no, Beautiful embrace. Stop. Well, here, so, so, so here's the thing. Okay. You can criticize people. Right. But apparently they're saying if you criticize someone too often. Right. That could be harassment. And you might, you, it, the rule specifically state that what they put out, you're not breaking the rule, but you're butting up against it. Hmm. So it's like, what? I'll tell you what, man. I don't understand that as a rule. It's like at a pool. It's like no running next to the pool, but jogging maybe? Well, no, they're, okay. they're saying, right, right. It's like no running, brisk walking is okay, but if you brisk walk more than enough, then we arbitrarily right. decide 
then we're going to tell you you are running and you know that's bad so you're bad and then you say wait hold on a second you guys have a pool they say no we don't we're just putting this out for future reference <laughs> but but but, but here, I'll, I'll let some people in on a big secret right i know a lot of people at google i've known a lot of people for a long time mm-hmm. back back in like 2011 i had google people reach out to me because of the live stream work i was doing i've, I've actually consulted google dozens of times they, they 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 have liked me a lot we'll see how this goes in the future but the, you know they've given I've, I've had like four pairs of google glass they i even had someone from google send me a cutting edge ipod touch back in the day like wow i've got so I, I know some people there i have respect for and i'll tell you what i think is happening based on what they've told me going back to 20 did you know, it come with that youtube album <laughs> sorry album? you too yeah yeah the one that's <laughs> sorry all right they put on it every time I think it did actually. I think it did. <laughs> of course it did. Oh, that was a bad day for everyone who was using so iPhones. Bad. We were loyal for years only to get hello. No, no. Sorry. It, it was it was it was right around the time they were phasing out the iPods anyway. Right. But but hey, I was I was flattered. It was a YouTube iPod and I and I got like a thing and a thank you note and these are these are good people. I, I'm I'm I think they're good people. Very nice. Some of them have left and probably for some obvious reasons, you know, things have been changing a bit. Yeah. But back in the day, this is back now. down 2013, I was told by someone at Google that they were that they felt Netflix was displacing them. And that's what their concern was and what they were targeting. Mm. I said, that's not true. Your market is not Netflix. Your market is a community. It's individuals. But they don't see it that way. And they never have. So I think right. if, if I was going to make a, 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 long, a bet for the long term of what's going to happen, you look back at the data, November 2010, the top YouTubers, 80% were homegrown personalities, started on YouTube, got famous. Yeah. Today, around 20%. Mm. They're slowly replacing the top channels. And it's not necessarily on purpose. Obviously, if, if you know Taylor Swift is now interested, she's going to get millions of subs, nothing you can do about it. Of course. But YouTube's changing the rules in ways that will negatively impact a lot of homegrown behavior and content styles. We already saw one guy famous YouTuber this morning had a video taken down because yep. it was bullying when in reality it's like snarky comedic you know roasting is this the video people. about uh, I think we have what we'll have an overlay about Leafly from iDubs is I, that yeah. It? Right. yeah because yeah. he was he, he was and, and he specifically said yeah he specifically was addressing a guy named Leafly I'm not super familiar with all YouTubers but I do know yeah. them he was specifically addressing Leafly for making fun of an autistic person. Yeah. And so then he went full bore and ironically bullied this other YouTuber who was bullying people with disabilities. And the one who was bullying, the disability bullier, had his video removed. Do I have that correct? I, I, I think it's, it's leafy. Leaf- I think you got it. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I got to be honest. You know, I know of them peripherally as well. I'm not like somebody who follows their content. But the way it was framed was it's a bullying video and YouTube is gone. So, so, so here's another thing about, about the rules that I find worrying. I mean, first of all, like I said, rules don't matter. You know, if they're going to ban you, they're going to ban you. Right. But a veiled or implied threat. What if I said, oh, man, you better be careful around those Antifa people, man. If you wear a Trump hat, they're going to come and they'll mess you up, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Are they going to claim that I'm threatening you by saying that? If I say, like, hey, I'm warning you, man, you got to be careful when you do that. Someone might come and hurt you. Right. I'm not, I, that's a lip, you know, so sometimes a warning can be a veiled threat. That's how they, so, so yeah. the, the rules are arbitrary. If the, you, you, here's what I think's gonna happen. YouTube wants to be Google's version of Netflix. You got Apple, the new streaming service, you've got Hulu, and, and what does Google have? YouTube. So they have a bunch of what, what they would view as like not top tier, high profile celebrities 
Right. It's obvious when Jimmy Kimmel gets in the trending tab and you don't, for instance. Yeah. And, and, and Jimmy Kimmel can talk about things that we would get banned for talking about. Right. So we get it. Yeah. No, that's I, absolutely true. And I think it also, by the way, is kind of sad because I, this is something that I had to sort of connect with. And I'm sure you have as well. Younger people who watch this show and our biggest demographic on this show is uh, uh, I don't exactly know how they break down, but like the bulk is between 18 and 35, between right, 18 yeah. and 35. Then our second biggest demographic is between 35 and 45. And then I think after that, it's like the 13 to 18 year olds. So which is the exact sort of reverse mirror of um, uh, like Fox News or most conservative content. And when I meet young people uh, who are familiar with the show, it's very different. A lot of older people, they mean they go like, oh, yeah, I love your videos. Young people, they see YouTubers as uh, movie stars. To them, that yeah, is right. the big show. More young yeah. people wanted to be YouTubers than actors. And to yep. me, sort of, let's disregard this whole idea of the censorship or the culture of intimidation for a second. To me, that is undervaluing your greatest asset. As this entire generation looks to these people as the most important content creators. They would care more about someone like PewDiePie than a George Lucas. They'd be more impressed. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So YouTube is, here, here's my bet. My bet is in the long term. The rules will continually be built to favor top-tier, multi-million-dollar studios. It's not just the rules, though. It's the whole structure. It's the algorithm. You want to know why I work every single day with no day off? Because you're because part YouTube... Asian. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's it. Work reason. ethic. It's just stuck great. Well, no, it's, it's because the algorithm favors those who produce the most. Right. And so this benefits big production studios who can crank out, you know, half an hour TV show every day, but not. You know, most YouTubers will spend a week on a video. Right. Because I do, you know, off-the-cuff political commentary, it's really easy for me to record a video on my thoughts. Yeah. They hate that. It's not what YouTube wanted this algorithm to produce. Right. They, they thought, if we make an algorithm that benefits daily long-form content, we're going to get The Mandalorian. We're going to get Game of Thrones. Instead, they got dude in his bedroom ranting about the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Now you're going, so... Yeah, but they so so they can't just get rid of everybody. It is a big portion of the platform. Right. So I think the rules are slowly being tweaked to make it harder and harder until people burn out, give up, or get banned. And that's actually something that people are studying now. And and I will say this: a lot of people go like, "Oh, oh, you're complaining." You know, YouTube burnout is an actual. Right. It's a new phenomenon from not just YouTube, but social media. People who work yeah. on social media who are social media sort of figure. Uh, I guess you would say political. So, what do you call them? Public figures, not figureheads, but people who yeah. are big on social media now. It's a new class of performer. But typically speaking, performers did not have to cut a bunch of content every single day. Tom Cruise right. goes to uh, Prague, shoots a film for four or five months. Runs around. Then he runs around a whole <laughs> lot, maybe fractures an ankle because he had his bird bones. And then after that, <laughs> he gets a nice long break. And now they're studying this, this idea of, you know, YouTube burnout. And this is because people cannot sustain it, yeah. independent content creators. And that's one thing, too. You know, we've done this show. A lot of people are like, I don't know how you do it. This is why Mug Club is important. It's how we sustain it because we have 15 people here on staff. The reason the quality of the yeah. production value is, is good is because we invested first kind of planning for this going, this is the way I thought, always thought it was going. It's expensive and it requires a lot of work from a lot of people. Most people can't compete if they're coming up right now and don't have something like that yet. It's, it's scary. Yep. Yep, but I'll tell you what, man, for me, um, may maybe it's because you mentioned I'm, I'm part Asian you or are. I'm just insane. If, if, if YouTube, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily believe that every change is intentionally like we're going to destroy you know tim pool and the political people right but i think for me 
I'm going to run on this treadmill until my feet are bloody. I'm, I'm not going to stop. So I, I record six segments per day. It's about an hour and a half of content. It's not uh, – Ben Shapiro does like three hours. He's, he's got me, you know. Yeah, but he has it on radio, and that's, you know, you're just talking, and then but, someone sells an ad for uh, catheters. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but, I, but that's basically what I do. You know, I pull up articles, I comment, and I give my sure. thoughts on them. So – Yeah, you know, the, one, the, one the most people wouldn't want your workload. And I will say this, too, about like for I, me – what I always used to really be upset about, I wasn't as naturally talented. I'd be like, oh, man, I got to work three times as hard. And I realized that was kind of my skill set. My talent was that I was willing to work longer and harder. Um, and that's something that you do as well, too. I mean, I know, obviously, you're, you're a smart guy and you're entertaining, so people want to watch you. But that is a skill set. That is valuable. That being said, when people go like, ah, oh, I wish I could be paid to talk to a camera. Well, do you wish you could be paid for a 15-hour day for five years of your life without any breaks? Because I know that's what Tim Pool goes through in almost every top YouTube creator, unless they had a viral right. video about cats. There's an exception for every rule. <laughs> nothing we do will ever top it. Nothing we do will ever top turtle humping a work boot. And we accept that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll throw in some good little uh, politics here. I think one of the things that separates me from like your average leftist is that I recognize the importance of grit. There's a TED talk from this teacher and they actually test the controlled for factors like intelligence, race, gender, income. And they found the only thing that guaranteed success was perseverance, your willingness to not give up. So that, 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 that to me, you know, when you, when you ignore that fact, you create this world of oppression where the only reason you failed is because of the color of your skin, not true at all. It may right. be harder, it may be easier, who knows? Obviously a dude who gets a million dollar loan from his dad will have an easier go of starting a real estate business than a guy who grew up in the gutter. But the only reason you're gonna succeed is because you actually refuse to give up. Right, no, I think that's true. And I, and I, uh, I know that you can't say this about yourself, but I, I've talked with you quite a few times off air and I know that Tim Pool has an unbelievable work ethic. And listen, yeah. this whole industry is littered with the corpses of people who couldn't keep it up or refuse <laughs> to keep it up. Someone like you does. I appreciate that, I respect that about you. And I'm not even gonna do a web extended today because I know your voice is very hoarse. Start using, <laughs> yeah. start using Sensodyne. My dentist told me that it's not an endorsement, not a paid, but I got rid of my canker source. YouTube.com slash Tim Cast. Mr. Poole, I hope uh, you keep people posted, and uh, I hope your channel continues to grow and thrive, sir. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll be back after this. I think I have a canker. What's that? If I were the, ruler, uh, the benevolent dictator of the world, I would legalize bestiality where you are giving you are you are pleasuring the animal. Oh no! And I heard there was a debate on this. There's no debate. I'm ending the debate. I don't have my gavel with me, but nine, nine, nine! No way! No way! Like, how much can a man withstand a hot girl saying over and over again, "I'm gonna say, mm -hmm. I'm gonna say"? Because like, so there's like, was the case that we covered where there was like a guy or a girl or something that was pleasuring a horse, and the horse came to a conclusion, right? So who got harmed? That looks like the longest arm in the world. And right there, there's no way I would hook up with her. I think, no, no, no way, man. I don't want to find out what's going on up downstairs. I mean, if you really ask the horse, did you mind? The answer's got to be, oh. I'm Jake Weger, and I approve this message, right? Live read time. Let's, let's say you're a firearm owner, and I am. This is how I com you combine two sponsors, Walther, Meet FLP, FLP, Walther, Walther, FLP. I own Walthers, you guys know that, and of course I have some firearms that aren't Walthers, namely shotguns and AR-15s. Uh, anyway, 
You're a firearm owner, I assume, if you're watching this show, which means you've probably taken steps to defend yourself. That's great. But what do you do to defend yourself legally if you have to use your firearm? A lot of people don't even think about this. That's where FLP comes in. If you have to use your firearm and you have to deal with the fallout, FLP has a toll-free number that you call night or day. A representative will guide you through the critical moments after you've defended yourself or your family. They have a network of attorneys ready to help you. They help with everything in dealing with the authorities to bail, to making sure that you get your firearm back. It's like $9.95 a month to make sure that if you ever actually have to use the wonderful firearm that you've invested and probably customized and tricked out, but you actually have to use it for its original purpose, that you don't get burned. So... Go to firearmslegal.com slash LWC. Register now. That's FLP at firearmslegal.com slash LWC. If you have a firearm and you ever need to protect yourself or could need to protect yourself and you don't have this kind of protect, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Ranger panties. Buy yours today at louderwithcrowdershop.com. That was called the Bing, in honor of Bing Crosby beating his children mercilessly. <laughs> Crazy you know that. That's because this, this, by the way, thank you so much to Tim Poole. Thank you. Uh, thank this you. is one of the weeks where we don't have a WebEx in an interview for people who are on yeah. Love Club because his voice was really pretty rough. This is a Bing Crosby signature pipe. Oh, oh that's nice. Do you know why? Why? He used to want to use a Canadian, that's called a Canadian pipe, actually. This was my grandfather's pipe. So you see how it's straight-stemmed? Yeah. So it's straight-stemmed, but the Bing version was a little bit longer with a curve because for a while, he wanted to take all of his headshots with his pipe. And so he wanted it to be further out from his face and below so his like a... chin. Yeah. So this is how you would oh, do it. Oh, I see. Hear that? And then he was a monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, have you ever read like a biography of Bing Crosby? A monster could sing, so he, though. He had two families, right? And his first family said that he was just a monster, this horribly abusive father. I think all of his kids wow. from his first marriage killed themselves. Wow. Or several of them. And then in the second family, they just said he was the best dad. Wow, Ever. that's weird. And none of this came out in Holiday Inn. No, it did not. <laughs> none of it. Bells of St. Mary's. No, none of that, yeah. He looked like a nice dad. I'll ring you like a bell. He's 12. I don't care. Uh, by the way, that, that reminds me, of course, next Wednesday, the stream is next Wednesday, our big Christmas show. It is live, a live stream where we will actually be in a studio with 200 people raising yeah. money for Christmas baskets. It's going to be a variety show. We'll have uh, not only jokes, Christmas sketches. We'll have singers, some surprise guests. Santa Claus will make an appearance with some children. We'll be raising some money, have a promo code, a discount. Yeah. So if you haven't signed up for a mailing list, it is available in Dallas, Texas, exclusively to Mug Club members. Members 
first, uh, and uh, the attire is formal. We will be wearing tuxedos. Yes. We yes. want it to be a very nice, uh, and I know you're thinking, where is there a punchline coming? No, we just want it to be a nice, no, classy it. Christmas event yeah. with uh, wildly offensive jokes. Uh, <laughs> that's next Wednesday, and then we'll be off uh, until the new year. So here's what I wanted to talk about today a little bit, uh, and this is going to be tough. So if you do have children in the room right now, I'd ask that you, not that there's anything inappropriate, but, but it could be some disturbing material a little bit, a little bit tough, a little bit uh, intense for kids. Um, you know, I told you guys that I wasn't going to talk about after uh, Hopper. You know, I had to put him down last, last Friday. By the way, I don't know if you remember, there was a betting pool out there as to how many days of work I would miss when Hopper mm. passed. So whoever bet half a day, you win the pool. You know, exact, you know exactly who you are. doesn't bother me. I just think it's I'm sad for you. <laughs> but... You did win the cash prize. So I'm curious to see what the betting pool is up to. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not talking so much right now about, for those who think you can't watch this, or you'll get choked up about, um, about Hopper, so much as the interaction that occurred uh, between my wife and I as a husband. And I want to do this for wives, maybe next week, or maybe when we come back, a show uh, or a close, Just Exalting Wives. But right now, I want to speak to what I know to husbands out there, uh, and of course, fathers. But I'd like to speak specifically to husbandry, because I think it's something that's very underappreciated and it's a very, very important role in our society. Um, and one that I've, I've really, you know, I'm being married for uh, seven years, um, come to understand more recently. So when we did, we had to go and we had to put uh, uh, Hopper down last week. And uh, I, I can talk about it now. It's very, very hard. His last act of defiance, you'll be happy to know, was he turned his nose up at an American macro lager beer as part of his final meal. <laughs> he looked to my Belgian triple, like, give me that look. And I said, OK, poured it out, drank all of it. Wow. So the very <laughs> last thing he did was be a diva. Beast to the Thank end. you, Hopper. Um, so this is something, as a husband, and Hopper's my first dog, and it's the first dog that my wife and I have ever had together. But as a kid, I just dreamed of dogs. I've talked about this before, so we were really, really close. But he was also really close with my wife. And so not only the last year, because of the lymphoma, so we've had some time, you know, he was in remission to, to think about how this would end. But really, for the entirety of us owning Hopper, I always thought of what would this day look like. I think everyone who owns a dog thinks about that, right? Because their life is so much more finite than ours, at least how we view it. Um, and I never wanted to bring it up because I knew how much it would upset my wife. So for years, I would think about it. I would go, and sometimes my wife would say, well, what's wrong? Because I would be making a face. I'd make two things she knows what's wrong. If I would make a face where I was really upset or sad, she's like, okay, she's thinking about Hopper. Or if I do this, she's thinking about when I broke my knee because I relive it, and it actually, like, fit. I go, and I wince, and I grab my knee. So for a long time, I used to think about it, what it looked like, what I would have to do, and how I would protect my wife from it. And I'll tell you, I pictured it many times. Um... I knew exactly what I was going to do, I was picturing holding Hopper uh, when they put him down uh, with my arm, because he always liked to lay underneath my right arm, right kind of underneath his, his neck here, his big old noggin that he had, and uh, I would rub his, his belly. That's kind of what we did when we used to sit there together. Um, and when we went in, we put his bed down, and this was, it, was, it was a very reverent sort of, it wasn't just putting some animal down. The vets who weren't even working that day, technicians came in, because he had touched a lot of lives, and I appreciate the sentiments that you've sent in. When I went in, at that point, my wife was already there. And I had pictured this at least a thousand times in my head, how I was going to hold him, how I was going to sue them, make sure that I was strong until the end, because the last thing you want to do is send him out when you're emotionally unstable. But my wife was there, and she was holding him. And so it changed right away to, uh, without even thinking, I wasn't holding Hopper. I was clutching my wife. And... It was something that occurred to me, I guess, not so much at the time, but afterwards realizing that I think dogs teach us a lot about how we interact 
with people. The way we interact with, with dogs often reflects how we interact with people. And so this situation with Hopper would make, he made me a more selfless person in understanding that other people come first. And at this point, I realized that Hopper was taken care of, my wife was making sure he was taken care of, she was the one who needed to be taken care of at that point. And before I move on to, to talk more about sort of being a husband, this is something really bizarre that I've never experienced before. They were really nice when they, when, when they put Hopper down. They put, the, put in the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, uh, the anesthesia, or whatever it is that puts you under. And uh, so you fall asleep, and then they put in whatever the chemical is in the IV that stops your heart. But we didn't know when the heart had stopped, because we were holding him and trying to kind of maintain composure. This is the most bizarre thing I think I've ever experienced. We were in a room, there were other dogs there. We only knew when Hopper had gone because the other dogs knew. You ever get some, you ever hear silence that's, it's so quiet that it, it almost hurts your ears? That's what happened. It got so quiet and I looked over and only when I saw other dogs sitting up, doing the avoidance face and they started kind of whimpering. That's when I said, okay, it's, it's, it's done. Um, it was just, a, that, that's an aside, but it was a really weird experience, a lot of learning experiences. My, my wife and I went, to, went away for the weekend to spend some time with each other and, and, and get out. Um, but I also, I, I bring this up because I have a friend a good friend, a good man, who uh, the same last week was going through something I, much tougher, um, uh, a miscarriage. And it was a miscarriage that uh, was far enough along the trail that you know, they had to check for a heartbeat and induce labor. And um, he's been taking care of his wife for the entire week afterward because she hasn't been doing well physically. She's been having some actual physical ramifications that have required her to be in and out of the hospital. And I know that he, I don't know that his wife knows this, but he did. Um, he said the baby was far enough along that he buried it in the backyard and put down a flower because this was important to him and this wasn't the first time he had been through this. And he discussed some things with me that his wife didn't know about, that he was protecting from her. And this is something, this goes to the idea of toxic masculinity. Let me just kind of state this in the outset. To we say this all the time, the toxic masculinity. It's okay to cry. Men feel that you can't cry. Why can't you just be open with your emotions? Why are men so aggressive? You know why? Because we love our wives. If you love your wife, you make sure that you try to be strong. Now, there's an appropriate time to cry. There's an appropriate time to grieve with your wife, of course. But it's not all the time. At that moment in time, I couldn't go, oh, I had to clutch my wife and make sure that she was fine. At this moment in time, my friend had to be the husband. You don't think he wanted to sit down and cry? You don't think he wanted a moment for himself? And without getting into specifics, because I promised him I wouldn't, every step of the way, he was doing whatever he possibly could for his wife, not for himself. That all stems from toxic masculinity. The same reason that we get angry or the same reason that we're more aggressive and there are more wars is because we fight them to protect the people that we love. Not everyone, I get it, some husbands are assholes who come home and are abusive, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about husbands who love their families. They will be, without a doubt, the most toxically masculine people you can imagine. And you know what that is? You know what that is? That's a gift. It's a gift. It's the gift that we can give to women. Because, let's be honest, in most areas, women, you've got us beat. Right? If it's, if it's the idea of sort of what's perceived as multitasking, I know some people believe that to be a myth right now, but let's call it neural flexibility. Women can take more sensory input and deal with it. That's why they make better mothers. For that same reason, it's why men tend to, why do you think men make up 94 or 97%, depending on the source you're using, of workplace deaths? Did you ever think about that? 
Do you think we chose to line up to be roofing or go into the coal mine and we, wa we wanted to be that statistic? Do you think, do you think it's women have, been, women have been signing up and they've been unfairly, prejudicially, no. It's a gift to you because we, for the same reason that women make better mothers, we tend to be task-oriented. And because of toxic masculinity, we can focus, block out some of the sensory overload, and get it done because that's how we're hardwired so that we can do it and be stable for you. It's the, it's the only gift that we can give as men. At least it's the only gift that we really think we can give as men. Remember when you're, think about it this way. Remember when you were a kid and you had issues going on and things felt unstable? Assuming, of course, that you have a decent family. I'm not talking to everyone, and I'm, that's why it's so important to me to try and encourage the family unit and for fathers to own up their, to their responsibilities and be fathers. People say, why don't you talk about child support and alimony? You know why? I get it. A lot of guys get a raw deal. But as a man, I see a lot of deadbeat pieces of shit out there who don't treat women right. And they gave the rest of us a bad name. So I try to focus on making men better. Sorry, you might be offended, men's rights activist. I understand where you're coming from, but this is equally important. I want more dads because remember when you were a kid and nothing seemed right, everything was unstable, you were trying to find your footing? You always thought, okay, at least, oh, dad's coming in now. He's going to make it okay. He's going to make it all right. Guess what? Your dad couldn't make it all right all the time. You know that now as an adult, can you make it all right all the time? No. But it's that gift of security, of assurance that you can give to your children or to your wife as a man, as a head of household, that means a lot. And, that's and trying to own up to that expectation, that's toxic masculinity. Listen, I, you've heard that line from as good as it gets, you know, women, you make me want to be a better man. It's true. Women make men want to be better men. Better men than ourselves show us how to be better men. And, and, and the reason that we do a lot of this is because we ask ourselves how we can serve. We can serve by doing hard jobs and making up 94% of the workforce. We can't serve by making a casserole. We can't serve, not all the time, by being as sensitive and as nurturing as you can. And that's why sometimes when we know that you're more sensitive and we get that maybe you are more emotionally inclined and in tune and someone who's more agreeable, there's not a lot I can offer in this situation, but I can hold my wife while we put my dog down. You know what, maybe there's not a lot I can necessarily do around the house, but I can make sure that I lay it on the line that, to ensure that this house is there for my wife when she gets back. And sometimes that gets us a little bit pissed off. Sometimes that gets, you know, sometimes we do bottle it in and yeah, you feel like you have razor blades in your stomach. But what is the alternative? That we don't try to live up to any standard? That there's no standard whatsoever for men? You know what, we've never, by the way, let's talk about this. We've never once asked men, we talk about toxic masculinity for women in the military. It's never come up. Not because we don't love you, but precisely the opposite. Because the whole reason that men would go into battle and fight wars, or the primary reason, I don't want to speak in absolutes and get fact-checked here, but some people will say it's for religion or war for oil. No, but a big reason, a primary motivating factor, is to protect our women, not send them to the front lines. Why? Because that's how we can serve. That's how you, as a husband, can serve. That's as you, as a father, can serve. I'm sure the same applies to children. I, we, don't, we don't have any, we know that, we don't have any children yet, and hope we, we don't have any children yet. So I'll just talk to what I know as a husband. This is important. 
Not only is it important for men to learn how to be better men, but it's important for you to know how and what it is you're trying to achieve and what it is that right now they are trying to tear down. Right now, the problem I think the rejection that you are seeing of men who are trying to better themselves and they reject this notion of toxic masculinity is that they are rejecting the removal of standards that we have held men to precisely because it's the most effective and largely the only way that we can serve. And the reason we want to serve is not because we hate women, not because we're chauvinist, but because we love you. That's toxic masculinity for better or worse. You gotta take the good with the bad. All right, next week, Christmas show on Wednesday. We'll see you then. It'll be festive. It only takes